You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This episode number 352, where I'll be discussing... The Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 1. Yes, guys, it is here. The Mandalorian is finally back on Disney+, and I could not be more excited to have a one-take discussion about my first impressions of this episode. I just watched the episode here on Wednesday, day of drop, and I decided to wait a day to record this episode so I could do it right after I consumed, digested, and had some time to think just ever so briefly about this episode. My first reaction is pure and untethered joy because this episode shot me straight into a galaxy far, far away. And only being 30 minutes long, I think it did more here than some of the longer episodes from some of the other shows and even inside of other seasons of The Mandalorian. This was an extremely tight and economic episode that delivered on so many different levels. We got a little bit of action. We got a huge amount of story spread across three or four different potential storylines for this year. And it all happened within a 30-minute window. We got the familiarity of all eras of Star Wars, which I absolutely love. There's a little bit of sequel trilogy in here from the presence of the species of Babu Frick, if I can call him that. We got, of course, the throwbacks to the OT and a lot of prequel references here and a lot of prequel sounds in here. The ship, the N1 Starfighter that is now the Mandalorian ship, that sound takes me back to episode one every single time I hear it. We even got a beautiful reference to Star Wars Rebels. I believe it was Star Wars Rebels with the Pergil, the big, huge beast flying in hyperspace alongside of the Mando ship. Just so much organic Star Wars in here. It never felt like they were shoving this stuff in just so you could point at the screen and say, oh, I remember that, or oh, that is something that is familiar. It all makes the galaxy feel quite big and holistic. And that's the other thing that I loved about this, among many other things, is that I don't think they shot a lot of this on the volume. In the past, I've criticized things like Obi-Wan Kenobi and a few of the Marvel shows for feeling small, feeling contained, because it did feel like it was being shot on a very small set. This felt much larger. This felt more expansive. And given that we got to be on Navarro and then up in a Starfighter battle in and amongst an asteroid filled with, again, felt super reminiscent to Empire Strikes Back. I felt that it had the scale and scope of a Star Wars movie here. And that really sucked me in too. It felt like the world was big again, which I really dug. And I don't want to criticize too much on the volume side of things because I do understand that some of that was done out of necessity in the past due to the COVID-19 pandemic. But it seems like they've gone back to these bigger environments, which makes the film breathe better to me it makes it feel big and expansive and that makes me feel like the show is big and expansive now zooming back to the start of the episode here we get a really cool starting which i think played a little bit with my mind here because i had made some assumption that the kid that they're handing the helmet 
to become part of the Creed, to become part of the Mandalore, was in fact Din Djarin as a kid. I thought this was a flashback. And they go through a bit of the process again, kind of reintroducing us to this quote-unquote cult, as Katie Sackhoff's Bo-Katan calls it. And I think this was a, again, coming back to this word of economic, a really economic way to show this piece of that lore and really get you back into this piece of lore by showing you and not specifically telling you and really helping us understand and bridge the gap between the previous season, Boba Fett, and now what we're doing here. And it kind of gives us that understanding of what he's trying to get back. It gives you kind of this sense of family or sense of belonging to something, even though we might not particularly agree with the way that they conduct themselves. I think ultimately that is what he's striving for. That is what he's trying to get back. And I think it was a cool way to show and also build in a really awesome action set piece with this giant crocodile looking thing popping out of the water and the whole Mandalorians just really going at this, giving us a cool preview of all of the weaponry and abilities inside of the Mandalorian. And so for someone that is just jumping into season three here, and I'm not saying many people are doing that because they are available, of course, on Disney+. Plus. And who's jumping right into this? But for someone jumping right into this, you get a pretty good sense within the first five minutes as to what Mando's motivations are, as to what the Mandalorians are capable of, and really as to his relationship between not only the Mandalore, they're the Creed, but also him and Grogu. Because Grogu's back, of course, in fine fashion in this He's going to be getting lots more toys. My kids never even seen this. They know who Baby Yoda is. They know who Grogo is. And I think that's just a really cool piece of Star Wars is the fact that they are immersed in that and have no idea who this character actually is. But nonetheless, we get this dynamic back between him and Din, this father-son relationship. And my hope is for this season is that Grogu gets to do some cool stuff, gets to work with the Force. We see a little bit of that inside of this episode. But that the focus of the show pivots away from season two being more centralized around Grogu and Din and more explicitly focused on Din himself and his journey. We went on Grogu's journey, we went on him and Grogu's journey. Now it's time for a Din journey. Back to that season one, we're focused more explicitly on what he is doing and where he needs to go and what he needs to evolve into by the time we get to the end of season three. Revisiting Navarro was very cool, and I have to give a shout out to the design artists for all the aesthetics of the set pieces, but also huge shout out to the costume and makeup department on this. The pirates that him and Grief Karga eventually end up going one-on-one -on -one with are fantastic. These things are movie ready, and I would have to say some of the best, especially the the lieutenant, some of the best costumes and makeup in Star Wars, period. This stuff looks like it's almost exclusively practical. And that is Star Wars in and of itself. And I know they tried a lot of that in Mando Season 1 and Season 2. But this just seems like a next level. All the puppets between Grogu and the little Babu Frick guys. Like I said, the aesthetic of all the costumes and makeup that they're using, even the motion of the mouth, it, it all works so well. And the captain, I'm pretty sure that that was all practical. There might be some touch-up CGI, but at first I was like, okay, this is this Davy Jones looking dude. But it, it looked fantastic. Like that really stuck out to me 
in this episode was how good everything looked and how everything worked. Even the IG-11 and the throwback to season one, him coming back and that... The, it, it was seamless. All of this was seamless. The work of the droids, the work of the puppets, the work of the costumes, and then having those familiar faces in there with Grief Karga, Carl Weathers coming back to reprise that role. I think it's a really great entry back into this. It doesn't really miss much here. It goes very fast, but I got this overwhelming sense of being welcomed back to the Star Wars universe inside of The Mandalorian. This is probably the show that feels the most cohesive inside of the grander Star Wars universe and using all of that familiarity, like I mentioned at the top, to make you feel comfortable, but it also absolutely rocketed into the show here. So I'm thrilled with this episode. I'm thrilled with The Mandalorian being back on Disney+. Plus. I can't wait to hear the likes of Rick from Jammed Transmissions to break this down in detail. I know there's a lot of detail that I have missed, but I just want to get my first reactions out there. I love Star Wars. I'm immersed in the universe. But the detail will come from a guy like Rick. If you want to get in there and get into the weeds of some of these creatures that we're seeing, some of the characters. I'm sure these pirates mean something somewhere. And I'm looking forward to getting into that and getting a little bit more immersed in this universe again. Because Star Wars is back. We are in a galaxy far, far away. We've got... I don't even know how many episodes are in this season, but a whole bunch, six to eight to 10, whatever it is, I'm digging it. And to be honest with you, if they're this economic, I don't mind that 30 minute time tag on these things. I'm actually digging it. It's easy to consume. A lot happens in these episodes. Not a lot of filler, not a lot of just walking around, wandering around a desert or whatever. This is what I want. This is what I love. So bring it on hats off to everyone that participated in this episode, that put it together. And here we go, guys. We're back in a galaxy far, far away. Of course, there's a Bad Batch going on in the background. We're back in the live action. Let's put it that way. There's a lot of Star Wars happening right now between the books, the comics, and Disney+, Plus, where Star Wars is living right now. And I could not be more excited to see what's next for The Mandalorian, where we go here. I think this is going to be a season where we see a lot of new things, a season where we see... A lot of the Filoni overprint, bringing in a lot of the Mando lore into this season and really expanding that. I think there's a lot of surprises on the horizon here. So let's go. Let's do this, guys. Mando season three, episode one is now behind us. Let's look forward and celebrate what is next. And I'm going to be here. Not every week chronicling this, but definitely at the high points, the midpoints of this season. We're going to be stopping in, taking a pulse check on all this. And if something absolutely enormous happens, of course, we'll be on the mics talking about this. Now, guys, it's going to be a short one this week of just recapping that episode. There's a lot of news bits happening in and around the nerd space, and we will get to covering that. There's some big movies coming up here on the horizon, our box office fantasy pool has kicked off and it is in full swing with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania debuting last week. You can go check out myself and Ian. Try to unravel that movie, unravel the quantum realm in a bit more detail. Just go one episode back and check that out. And guys, I've got something a little different, a little special that is planned for the end of this episode. And so make sure you hold on and get through the next five to six minutes because there's some changes happening here in the nerd room. And the message that is coming up is really going to break that down, give you a little history of the nerd room, and give you some insight 
as to what you can look forward to inside of 2023 here in the Nerd Room. So stay tuned for that, and we'll talk to you guys next week. One of the most important pieces about a podcast is the name. Does it evoke an immediate understanding of the content? Is it catchy? Does it have a deeper meaning? It's a question I've asked myself many times, and for The Nerd Room, that question has a simple answer. It came from my wife, who lovingly and somewhat cheekily dubbed my first collection room, The Nerd Room. I didn't like it at first, but it stuck. When Sanjay and I decided to translate our weekly comic shop talk visits into a podcast, The Nerd Room was the only name we ever considered. Throughout the years, I thought it's always been a bit difficult to roll off the tongue. Even had a hard time telling people the name of my podcast because I was a bit embarrassed to say it. So if I was, were listeners having a hard time with it? I even contemplated renaming the podcast, but we could never disconnect ourselves from the name. And then one day I remembered an interview I saw with Linkin Park, probably my favorite band growing up, where they discussed their band name and its meaning. It too was simple. It was after Linkin Park in Santa Monica, which the late Chester Beddington used to drive by on his way to the studio. The spelling was rejigged for the band so they could get their own domain. But then something unique happened. It turned out that almost every city in the U.S. had some form of a Lincoln Park, unintentionally connecting them to all of those cities and the people within them. Since then, I've always had a much stronger connection to the Nerd Room name, as you view it as having a similar, unintentional, deeper meaning. Whether you call it a man cave, toy room, basement, bar, personal office, or even that one corner in your bedroom, we all have a Nerd Room of sorts our collective common denominator, your way in to this podcast. The show itself was conceived inside of the excitement of a rejuvenated global fandom with the return of Star Wars in 2015 and highly anticipated films from the now well-established MCU and the excitement for the budding DCEU. It started out skewing towards comic books and movies and slowly evolved to center more on the film side of fandom. We structured the show as a way to bridge the gap between a single experience, like watching a film, to the next level of fandom immersion, like keeping up with weekly news, rumors, and discovering a community. We do the work to lower the barrier of entry into a bigger fandom experience so you didn't have to. Since the first episode we published in late 2015, The Nerd Room has produced over 350 main show episodes and over 400 episodes in total. The podcast has been an anchor for me for the last seven years. No matter what was going on, we sat down every Tuesday to record. The show has brought so many wonderful people into my life, including my dear friends, Carlos and Ian. From behind these mics, we've seen the rise of a new age of Star Wars, documented the turbulent evolution of the DC film universe into the James Gunn era, experienced the peak of connected universe storytelling with the MCU, chronicled our growing families, moves, many different nerd rooms, and navigated a life-changing pandemic.
And ever since those waning days of the pandemic, we've been in a state of flux here in the nerd room, trying to find our footing amongst the new normal. Throughout that time, we've experimented with show formatting and content, slogans and show art, and seen our team slowly change with the departure of both Sonny and Troy and the addition of Ian. Episode 350, produced just a few weeks ago, proved to be an even more significant milestone as it now marks Carlos's final episode as a full-time host, at least for now. I'm happy to say that all three departures from the full-time hosting gig were done as personal choices to serve a bigger purpose for them to step back and remind themselves why they love fandom and to take a break from the grind of podcasting. Together, we shaped the nerd room to what it is today. They each provided a unique voice to the podcasting space, ultimately leaving it a better place than when they arrived. I can't think of them enough for being part of something I've cherished for the last seven years. I've spent the last few weeks contemplating what is next for the nerd room, speaking in depth with both Carlos and Ian about what direction to take it. And although still agonizing over those next steps, I would say with great certainty that the show will go on. The Nerd Room is my anchor, my creative outlet, and my escape. I've always said I will do this until it feels like work and it stops being fun. And I personally feel I'm nowhere near that. I don't know where we're going, but I'm excited for the future and the possibility of experimenting with new podcast styles, formats, storytelling, mixed with everything that has made the Nerd Room podcast unique over the last seven years. I want to take this opportunity to thank all the listeners for joining us over those years, and I cannot wait to continue this journey with you.